Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Right, hello, welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Uh, I'm Ben James. Today I'm joined by two very special people, Dummy Parfait, and a welcome return to the Rugby Podcast for Simon Thomas. Welcome back, Si. As Mark Twain once said, reports of my demise have been greatly exaggerated. I'm here, I'm back, and it's a grand slam. As soon as I return, look what happens to Welsh yeah, Rugby. There we are, he's brought luck with him. Yeah, absolutely and absolute yeah. chaos off the field we won't talk about that <laughs> exactly <yeah. laughs> the hand giving the hand taken away is it? it is very much that um, so yeah let's uh, let's get right, right into it because there is a grand slam on the line this weekend um, Wales v Ireland for those of you who didn't know uh, it's the only show in town this weekend and uh, Warren Gatlin's named an unchanged team today uh, yeah, well, surprising, yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing that's been the debate all week has been Liam Williams' situation I must admit when I saw him go off with his, when you see somebody go off with their arm in a shirt as a temporary sling, you feel the worst you think dislocation. Um, but the, the good news has come out over the following days following the Scotland game was that it was more of a stinger. It took a blow right on the right shoulder in making a tackle. And from the outset, they were quite positive, and he's now been named in the team. Obviously, you know, hopefully there's no more reaction at all this week because I think I'm not sure where he is exactly in terms of doing contact, but he's been named. And if he does come through, as the selection suggests, I think it's a massive boost for Wales because he's had an outstanding championship. You know, he calls himself the self-styled bomb diffuser and he's been absolutely fantastic into the high ball. England thought that they could test him out there. He came through that spectacularly. Again, uh, when he was on the field against Scotland, there was one particular tape over his head which just showed how confident he is at the moment and also with ball in hand in a counter-attacking sense. He's always a threat. So it's, I think, although Lee Halfpenny coming in would have been an absolutely safe pair of hands I think having I mean, Liam Williams there, you know, is a real uh, great news for Wales, and uh, yeah, same again. Mm, yeah, think, just Bill? just great to, to, you know, never never knock the uh, the benefit of being able to name an unchanged side. It's uh, it's the same in a lot of sports, I think. Um, and Warren Gatland has that luxury this this week. Um, I agree with Simon. I look, it's obviously great news um, that, that Liam's fit, um, and I, and I just hope that. Um, it's worth a few points to them tomorrow um, in terms of in terms of being a settled side and in terms of momentum and in terms of hopefully getting the job finished. Would you have made any changes at all to the 23, Ben Sheehan? Um Probably, probably not. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, people shout me down. I would have been tempted potentially to go for a bigger at fly half. Um, it's interesting. Although I think, given what he what he's shown, he can bring um, as a as a, a turner of the game. Mm. You know, with an hour gone, perhaps it is the right decision. But but other than that, um, I'm, I'm I'm trying to think. Probably not really. Um, it's a good position to be in, isn't it? Mm. You know, where you've got a settled side, a winning side. They know what every one of them knows what they're doing. The game plan is there for all to see. Although, of course, wouldn't it be wonderfully interesting if they produced something completely new on Saturday? <laughs> you never know, do you? But um, no, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, having seen the Ireland team, you know, this is a proper, proper match we've got coming up. Yeah, it absolutely is. Uh, you know, talk about sort of unsettled team. It's, it's been that way sort of since the England game, isn't it, really? Obviously, Corey Hill dropped right. out injured. But for all the criticism Wales got early on in the tournament for going out to Nice and making 10 changes uh, against. Italy, it's largely this sort of triple crime stretch towards the back end of the tournament. It has been pretty much unchanged, and it's you know, Gatlin clearly has a clear vision of what his team wants to be, and that looks particularly a fly half, shall we say? It looks like it's going to be mm. Gav Askin playing sixty minutes and Dan Bigger playing the sort of remaining twenty, which and, and, sort of, all worked really and, well against England. Didn't and it? the back three as well. I think the the key is has been a settled back three um, for me, and a, you know. I, I, Nothing against Lee Halfpenny, but um, I know he, he hasn't been fit. Liam's done well, but I think Josh Adams is the one. Um, the way he's come through in in that England, and then last week uh, against Scotland, you know, scoring tries in both those games. The one at Scotland, a real beauty. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of the way Stockdale came through for Ireland. You know, uh, young sort of from nowhere, and and I think. He, he he's a real weapon for us now, and, and I hope he has an influence tomorrow because um, I think he's he is a prime example of a Wales player who's just on fire form wise and confidence is through the roof. Gatlin's backed him, 
uh, to the hilt. Um, let's hope he can get another try tomorrow, um, tomorrow Saturday. The, the other thing that interests me is that if you look at it, you mentioned the trip in Nice and the Italy away game. You know the decision to make those changes against Italy will, you know, we will hopefully reap the benefits of that this weekend because a lot of the first team or the team starting this weekend would have had a break that weekend. Now, of course, Eddie Jones has come out this week and said Wales are going to be tired. You know, which in relation to the week off against Italy doesn't make a huge amount of success uh, of, of, of sense, but it also doesn't add up because he says Wales made the most tackles in the tournament. And lo and behold. Fake news, as Mr. Trump would have it. Turns out England have made the most tackles. Listen, you know, the Six Nations is brutally attritional. And you only had to see the state of some of those Welsh players coming off the pitch. You know, there was claret everywhere, wasn't there? But hopefully that, that week off in the Italy weekend, you know, in terms of the overall campaign will help. And I think when you're going for a Grand Slam, even though you've had a brutal game that we played, you can dig deep. Yeah, they've had a day more as well than yeah. Ireland. You know, yeah. Ireland have had a six-day turnaround. So that's that's not to be disregarded, I don't think, not, not in this day and age. I just think it's going to be another titanic tussle between, you know, two very good sides. Yeah, It's interesting you say about a settled back three. That's sort of been a theme throughout the tournament. You think Ireland in the opening weekend... Had Henshaw fullback, they were kicked to death by England. France have been in disarray against England. Well, they didn't pick Ireland. a fullback against England. Yep, you know they had two centres in the wing and nobody had fullback from what I could see. Fullback didn't make a tackle against Ireland, did they? Um, England have had a little bit of sort of movement with sort of you've had Noel, Cochrane, Singer, Ashton, Daly. It's only sort of Wales who Scotland have, have had injury chaos. They've injury lost Hogg, they've lost King Horn. You know, in, generally, touch wood. Wales have been relatively, you know, well off in the injury front. I mean, we really, I mean, obviously lost Corey Hill, which was a blow, and there have other been players who have been injured going into the tournament. But generally, and this is a tribute to the medical staff for this as well, they've managed to keep things going pretty much with a settled side, and it does make such a difference. Mm. I mean, let's not forget North as well. You know, he's, you know, he's had his periods where he's, he's been a little bit maligned, but he, he's been solid, not spectacular. Throughout the tournament, but 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 solid in you know he's done the basics yeah. well. He's used his physique. He's got over the gain line. Uh, you know, I just think um, you know he, he's and, he, and he's given experience yeah. as well. And he's looked good. At, look good in the air, which mm. that's been the theme of this tournament. Isn't it? Most teams are kicking the leather off the ball, and Wales have kicked the ball well, and more importantly, they dealt with the ball well, yeah. which maybe we wouldn't have expected coming into this tournament without half penny. And he's he's topping our t- turnover count. You wouldn't have thought that at the start of the championship, would you? It's been an odd one. That I mean, if you look at the way Wales are playing now, they're not committing a huge amount of numbers in defence of the rec. They're so basically looking to get it back on their feet, string across the field, and back their defensive strength. You know, under, under Sean Edwards, and, and the, the, the turnovers have tended to come a little bit wider out. I think Adam Beard is second, so it's an odd one, really. Um, and again, when I come back to the Ireland team, which we'll talk about in a minute, the, the turnovers and the breakdown are going to be more important than ever this weekend. I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll get the, the view of Michael Scully from the Irish Mirror uh, on the Ireland team, and then we'll get your two uh, view on the Irish team after that. So here's Michael Scully, here's what he had to say. Right. Uh, hello, Michael. Um, welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. How are you, Ben? Are you well? I'm not, I'm not too bad, and you? Good. Great, thank you. Yeah, looking forward to the weekend. That's, that's, that's where it all seems to be building towards, isn't it? It's, uh, it's a pretty big week for both Wales and Ireland. Yeah, I, like it's great to come to the final weekend and there's still um, something to play for for over half the, the teams involved. So that's decent. Well, sorry, half the teams involved. Exactly half. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, it's good, you know. Um, just as well, just just as long as we don't leave it open to England, I guess. But I'm afraid that's probably what's going to happen if uh, if Ireland get their way. So what is the sort of talk over in Ireland at the, at the minute heading into this game? Yeah, it, there's a lot more optimism, to be honest, after last weekend. Um, there was definitely a lot of concern before that over the first three games. Um, obviously, the England game starting off, um, they kind of suffocated Ireland. And um, I, I think that, that was a real kind of reality check to people after after how good last year was. Um, it was probably the, the best ever year for Irish rugby, I guess. And yeah. Uh, um, you know, it's probably no, it's probably no harm that that uh, they they were brought down to earth a little bit because um, you know people were talking about World Cups and and everything and and you know we still have never got past the quarter final stage so um, that's the harsh reality and 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 you know sure we all know at this level that that teams are so close and and a lot of time it can be on the day 
and certainly England came with a lot of um, they had revenge in their in, in their on their in their hearts and minds. I think after what happened to them last year and St Patrick's Day in, in Twickenham, and um, they were definitely the better team. And as Joe Schmidt said afterwards, Ireland were a bit broken, you know, which I suppose is surprising again after how good last year was, but. And it's 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 taken kind of three games for them to to get up to the level that that we expect. Um, but it was more like the, their old selves last Sunday against France, you know. So definitely coming to Cardiff with uh, with uh, more confidence, definitely more rhythm to the play, more flow. Johnny Sexton and Connor Murray kind of back in sync after a kind of scrappy, scratchy kind of start to the championship, and both had been out through injury, so. They just needed to get uh, game time, I guess, under their belt, and they seem, they seem to be kind of back up to speed. So, but you know, there's also with that optimism, there, there's definitely um, a lot of uh, again realism that that you know they're they're going to a place where they haven't had happy memories uh, going back. Well, 2013 certainly, but under Joe Schmidt, uh, Ireland have never won in Cardiff, so that's certainly in, in the forefront of people's minds and, and people know that, that Wales have been going very well and particularly their, their defence as, as we saw last weekend against Scotland in the second half they were they were superb and um, often often they found it, the answer to Ireland's um, Ireland's attack game you know so um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case again this, this, this weekend so I think more than anything people are just hoping for a kind of similar performance to the last time out maybe a bit more extended beyond the 50th minute, 52nd minute when Ireland scored a fourth try and then kind of just relaxed and, and a lot of their top players came off, I guess, and um, and and allowed France back into it to an extent to get the game was over as a contest at that stage. But um, yeah, more of the same, I guess. And, and you know, if, if Wales win the Grand Slam and, and beat England to it, I think we could live with that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be a little consolation in that. What's the sort of general perception of this Wales team then over in Ireland? Yeah, there's there's huge respect, you know. I I um, I, I I think it there's a rivalry that's really built there over the last maybe fifteen years again, and um, I think going back to that to that Ronan O'Gara drop goal that that earned us the, the Grand Slam, first Grand Slam since '48. That was ten years ago, and you know we're all aware that that Wales haven't lost a final day game at home. Since then, and I think that's six games they've had in that in that in that time since. And um, you know, as much as 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 this is Joe Schmidt's last Six Nations game and, and Rory Best's last Six Nations game, you know, there's also a huge awareness that it's Warren Gatlin's and and Sean Sean Edwards as well. So, you know, certainly we know that the emotion isn't all on the Irish side, and there's no way Warren wants to wants to go out losing to the, the team he formerly managed in this final game, the Six Nations at home. So, you know, we, we know the Welsh are going to be really up for it. And, and you know, you just have to look at the, the players that have been there for the last five years that we all know so well. The the Wynne Joneses, the, you know, the the Ken Owens, uh, Tupperick, all these guys, you know, they're, they're just top performers. Jonathan Davies, you know, huge respect, I think, for those guys over here. And, the, the fact of, that Irish provinces play uh, Welsh Welsh regions so often, um, you know, there's there's huge mutual respect and definitely an edge when they when they play. So, you know, I think we're expecting that certainly England came all guns firing and we're and we're, not, we're expecting nothing less this weekend. Of course, Wales are aiming for a 14th consecutive uh, win, mm. which is a record for them. But then Ireland have a pretty good knack of sort of ruin yeah. uh, teams' records, don't they? They uh, beat New Zealand when they were going for 19. They beat England when they were going for 19. They also beat That's England right. when they were going for the slam, wasn't it? So two times That's in the last right. decade. Yeah, so we it's... like being the party poopers, you know? <laughs> definitely, definitely. And, um, yeah, they just seem to relish that. And, and there's all, you know, it, there's a bit of a toss-up whether you could call Ireland an underdog or Wales the underdog really here, but... Um, you know, I suppose Ireland are still second in the world to beat the All Blacks in November, and and uh, they've only lost twice in their last twenty three, I think themselves. So you know, huge consistency on both sides. Um, they'll certainly relish the, the thought of taking the uh, the Welsh scalp, especially given this the last competitive game before the World Cup. Obviously, that's a long way down the road still. So it's six months away or whatever. But um, you expect to be fire in Ireland's bellies. Uh, coming into this one and and uh, you know mixed with the fact that a lot of their players 
got a bit of rest um, in recent weeks. Quite a few of them were rested against Italy a few weeks ago and, and just came back for the France game. Even though there's a six-day turnaround, you expect them to be, um, to be fresh and ready for this one. Also, you mentioned it's the uh, the last game, uh, Six Nations game for Warren Gatland and Joe Schmidt. Mm. Um, mm. Obviously, Gatland hasn't always been the popular sort of character in Ireland, mm. uh, especially in the last sort of few years. He's, he's been known to sort of throw a few verbal grenades and sort of get yeah. the Irish's backs up. Um, so what would victory sort of over him mean in this last game? I, you know, certainly when, when Declan Kidney was in charge up to 2013, probably that five years going back before that there was uh there was i'd say there was a bit of animosity towards him because uh i think people felt he was a little bit harsh on, on declan and um um but i think i think i think there's there's an appreciation of of how good a coach he is you know like he's people understand what he did he, you know and, and i think a lot of people felt he was harshly treated by the rfu um when they before they let him go and, and Eddie O'Sullivan took over uh way back when and and you know he proved himself obviously with wasps in, in in the interim and then obviously with Wales. Um I think the fact that uh you know much was made at the time of of, of him dropping Brian O'Driscoll when he was Lions coach um in Australia but uh, that's that's I think a lot of water under the bridge and and people and people just regard him as a guy who's just really able to get teams up on the big occasions, you know, that I think that's, that's, that's what he'd be remembered for that. And, and if he pulled off a third slam, that would be pretty sensational really, you know, he's, he's been uh, great for Northern hemisphere rugby. I think, and I, I honestly think that's what the overriding feeling people would have here. You know, I think definitely think that the whole in, in being guiding the lines um, so successfully has probably softened the edges uh, in terms of the way people perceive him over here, you know, there's another sort of uh, little interesting battle that we might see uh, on Saturday. Um, I think it's the first time Ross Moriarty and Johnny Sexton will sort of see each other on the field since. Okay. Oh yes. Mor- Moriarty made some comments sort of towards the the start of the season. Yes. I suppose, yes. I suppose that's just do- water off a duck's back for someone like Jonathan Sexton, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's it's been interesting. I I, I think we saw against France uh, that. He has kind of learned the 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 lessons that we maybe been we've been hoping that he would. You know, he's he's been regarded as a guy who always takes the ball to the line and he, and he gets hit. And we saw that in Murrayfield, where uh, the the Scottish back row just destroyed him. Um, and he came off after twenty three minutes, albeit one one of the things that did for him was was Peter O'Mahony stamping on his on his ankle accidentally. Um, but you know. You kind of wonder how long Johnny can can keep doing it and getting and going to the line and getting hammered in in kind of borderline tackles that, you know, they're fair enough because he kind of invites them on and 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 that makes space for others. But we saw, I think we saw against France, that he he sat a lot deeper. And um, I I mean personally, I prefer to see him just just play that playmaking role, you know, because he's uh, 32, 33 now and. Um, world player of the year and obviously a target for everyone and uh, he feels that he's been a target for everyone un- kind of unfairly and this this is I think this is the way to, to kind of get around it you know just be a little bit more circumspect about about how he goes about his game and and, and be the influence he can be just in a different way you know um, so yeah it'll be interesting to see how the Welsh back row deal with him um, I'm sure that they will that they will go for him um, uh, as is their right um, but it's you know it's up it's up to him and and, and his own teammates to, to to kind of get around that they have they have to protect him. He's he's the main he's Ireland's man. Without without him, we're not the same at all. You know. So whereas whereas Wales have Anscombe and bigger, um, we're kind of reliant on Johnny. Especially we we're not quite sure if Joey Carberry is fit, fit enough yet. And and if he's not there to play back up, then we've got Jack Carty who'd only be making his third uh, appearance. So. I think they're fairly confident that Carby will be all right for the, for a bench role. So uh, not a bad backup player, to be honest, if, if Johnny goes down injured. Of course, uh, someone who's going to be uh, influential in the pack, or might be, is uh, Tyke Byrne, who looks like he's going to make his Six Nations debut uh, this weekend. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because um, it, it looked even even uh, early in the week that he wasn't going to get a look in in this Six Nations at all, that um, this final chance to impress um, in the championship was going to pass him by. That um, that Joe Schmidt was going to stick with Ian Henderson and James Ryan in the second row, and perhaps keep 
Ulton Delan uh, on the bench after a good performance against the French. Um, the, the 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 three of them as a unit kind of uh, did very well um, last week. So uh, no real complaints. A lot a lot of people would have been um, really looking forward to seeing Tig, but it looks like now that they'll get their wish because um, Ian Henderson appears to have an injury issue. Uh, whether or not he'll he'll make the bench, we're not we're not sure yet. Um, the team won't be revealed until Thursday, but um, it seems that that Tiger is going to get the nod, which is um, which I think it'd be great to see him uh, in action. Um, and, and probably a lot of Welsh fans would like to see him play as well, because um, obviously he was so good for the Scarlets during his spell there. It was the it was the making of him really. He left Leinster as as a kind of as a young player, but he just didn't really get the chance to to shine there. Injuries held him back. And and uh, just obviously the te- depth of talent that the, the province had at the time, um, but um, he, he just shone at at the uh, Scarlets very quickly, established himself there, and um, and came home really so that he could he could get get a look in a test level because um, the IRFU don't really go for players who um, who uh, are, are playing away from home. Johnny Sexton aside, when he was in Paris, so uh, he came home in the hope of, of breaking into the World Cup. Um, plans of Joe Schmidt and this could be his big chance to do so. Obviously he missed um sort of the first two games with a knee injury, but I think there's probably mm. a lot of Welsh rugby fans who are probably quite mystified as as to how he hasn't had any minutes in the sort in the tournament up till now. Yeah, and and that would be that would be that feeling will be replicated back here too, to be honest. Um he, he brings so much to the to the game, especially at break breakdown time. He's he's got just great skill on the floor, turned the ball over. Um, I, I see um, Peter O'Mahony and Antoine Dupont have the the kind of the record for the turnovers for the tournament so far. It's only five or six. You imagine a, a fit and 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 play, uh, Ty Byrne if he had been playing during this championship would have would have uh, easily surpassed that. He, he's got great skill in that regard as a poacher. Uh, obviously, he's a big line out operator as well. He just brings so much around the pitch that. Um, you just love to see more of him play. He's been really good for Munster this year, and uh, when he's uh, he just got unfortunate with with, a, with that knee injury in December, and um, that that kind of knocked him back a bit. And uh, there had been a bit of a question mark even even this week talking to some of the Ireland coaches. They just didn't seem to to suggest that he was quite nailing it in in training, which is what Ireland uh, re- Ireland management really emphasised that they want their players fully loaded on in terms of their detail, what what's required of them. And um, perhaps he, he's just a little bit of a free, more free spirit than than um, quite a lot of the other Ireland players. Um, in, in that regard, he gets he, he's everywhere on the pitch. Um, whereas Ireland do play a kind of a structure, a more stru- very structured game, should we say? And um, perhaps not quite fitting into the jigsaw in that regard. So be interesting to see how he goes if he, if he definitely gets a nod now this this weekend. Um, obviously the Welsh breakdown, Welsh back rower. Really good operators. He'll know them very well. They'll know him very well. So that that could be one of the most intriguing battles of all. Yeah, yes, it's, it's interesting that it? you say about sort of Schmidt um, liking his sort of structures, and he seems to sort of like players uh, to step in and do the sort of same job as the as the man they've replaced. Um, mm, but you, mm. you'd think with someone like Tyke Byrne, you could sort of make room for having sort of one joker in the pack, couldn't you? Absolutely, yeah. And and I mean, what what could be in his favour in terms of Japan later in the year is that he can he can slot into the back row if, if needed and you know versatility is going to be huge that's what knocked us back the last time in, in, in the last World Cup we just didn't have the depth um, to, to compete uh, in, in the latter stages of the, of the tournament um, Byrne brings a lot to the table and uh, a lot of skill and I think he's an exciting player and um, could bring a little bit of the X factor that Ireland sometimes miss as well. So um, I think this is the chance that a lot of people have been waiting for and, and uh, it'll make, it's one of the reasons why the game should be so exciting. Um, hopefully it goes well. I, I, you know, I, I agree with you fully, you know, I'd be one of those people who fully behind him uh, getting his chance. Um, hopefully he, just, he doesn't feel there's too much pressure on, on himself now to perform because uh, you know, if that can happen, things can backfire and, and uh We've seen it earlier in the tournament with a guy like Sean Cronin in, in Rome. He finally got his first Six Nations start after 67 test appearances and uh, it kind of went badly for him. So, you know, um, he's just got to play his, play his own game and he should be fine, to be honest. 
Absolutely. I think there's a lot of Welsh fans who are equally delighted and terrified to see him uh, <laughs> possibly starting this weekend. Absolutely, absolutely. I like, um, I think Scarless were very sorry to see him go. And I think he was sorry to go, to be honest as well. He he loved playing there. He he, he loved the club and he loved the, the supporters. And uh, I think it was just the lure of, of Test Rugby, especially uh, he knew that time was running out for the World Cup. So it was kind of now or never. And uh, it was he just had to come home. And, and in fairness to him, he's, he's really littered up now with Munster. And uh, just about... Hopefully he's he's able to show now that he can step up to the to the to the biggest level of all, and uh, no better test tests you'd imagine than than uh, at the principality. Uh, moving on, um, where, where do you sort of see the weaknesses in both of these teams? Um, I'm trying to think now. I mean, Ireland, Ireland wise, I think they're. Well, it'll be interesting to see if Rob Kearney plays because um, he just brings so much assurance to the back three um, and there's a little bit of a doubt. He, he missed last week. He was withdrawn just before the game and Jordan Larmer came in and did a good job. But I think against Wales, I think we're going to see the back three hugely tested early. Ireland's Ireland's aerial game hasn't been as, as strong as uh, it has been for, for certainly five, six years. Uh, in this championship and perhaps that's where Wales will target that's one area Wales will target I think they've got their their set piece pretty much nailed on again um, they were they were once Rory Best came back in and, and uh, James Ryan returned after Rome after after the Italy game and um, the set piece improved dramatically so I think that's that's pretty good I think the halfbacks are pretty pretty much back to where they were um, hard to see Weaknesses, I guess. I, uh, you'd imagine Ireland have learned from the way England uh, exploited space in behind. Um, England kicked a lot through various players, and and Ireland weren't weren't ready for that. I think they were they were kind of turning a lot and and uh, struggled struggled to deal with that. Um, Wales. I mean, you can tell me more, Ben. To be honest with you, where the where, where you see it's, it's, pro- it's probably the lineup. I think, I think right. with Wales, the only team in this championship to have a line-out percentage less than 85%, so okay. 74%. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's not brilliant alone. And then, you know, the fact you're yeah. coming up against Ireland, who have probably stolen a fair bit of line-out ball as well. And yeah. Yeah. their own line-out is so solid at the minute. That's That could be sort of crucial, I think. I mean, one one element that, that, that that's true. I mean, one element that's really gone well for Ireland in the line-out has been Peter O'Mahony, who's... Uh, who just has a knack of of stealing ball at, at vital moments, and funny enough, he's the only Ireland player to play the eighty minutes in every game. So he's bang on top of his form, you know, um, really sharp. So he's the guy, I guess, the, the Welsh lineup will, will be watching more than more than any him and Ryan, I guess. But um, that's a good shout. I mean, you know, Ireland's scrum has been very solid as well. Uh, that would be a really interesting battle. That. The the uh, the pack the two packs have been going well, I guess. Uh, yeah, really yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as you say, maybe the breakdown that could be that could be certainly in in Wales' favour. I mean, I think what Ireland have to do is if they if they have, to have a, a chance here, they've got to do what they did against France and score early, build start building points because that's what Wales have always done well against Ireland. Um, Ireland's de- discipline has to be really good because. Um, you know, Wales just have this tendency of building a score just relentlessly. And then at home as well, I think that with a big crowd behind them when that's happening, they just become very, very hard to stop. So um, Ireland's discipline has to be bang on. But in fairness, it has been generally over the, over the last few years. And um, I think they got to hit the scoreboard very early just to, just to quieten things down <laughs> in what's bound to be a raucous enough atmosphere, I guess. So, yeah, that, that brings us quite nicely on to the final question, which I suppose is, what's your prediction for Saturday? Um, I, it's definitely going to be close. Definitely going to be close. I, I, both teams both teams have their reasons for winning. Um, Wales have home advantage, which is going to be big. Um, it's hard to see. It's hard to see Ireland turning them over, but I think the players are going to be really up for it because... Again, the Schmidt and, and best factor. Um, they're they're getting their mojo back. Um, they've pretty much all their their big big name guys there. Um, 
I think if they hit it, they can win. They can definitely win. Um, I'll take, uh, for patriotic reasons, I'll take a very narrow Ireland win. Less than less than seven points. Well, it's got to be close, isn't it? And then Scotland, obviously, to win at Twickenham for the first time in 35 years with uh, with all their key men injured. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, can all, we can all hope for that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll agree with that one. I mean, I guess you you, you reckon Wales probably have the have the armory to, to win yourself just, just to nick it it's about yeah i mean yeah. it could be could be brilliant you know i mean i well, i think what we will see is ireland have a lot of ball which tends to happen uh and and wales are very good at soaking up what they can throw at them and, and what it's going to take is ireland are going to have to come up with something special what what one interesting thing they did against france was to put Keith Gerald's the winger into the line out they did it twice and on the second occasion it worked the reverse pass off the off the back of the line out and uh he was in through a hole you know so that kind of thing that and and the good the, the one thing is schmidt joe schmidt's very good at coming up with these little plays that can bamboozle defenses you know and they're going to need that because um the welsh defense has been so strong so if they can do that uh it's you know it's it's funny it's it's a stadium that hasn't yielded huge joy for Ireland over the years but the, the provinces have Munster and, and Leinster in the past have won, won, won Champions Cups there European uh, Heineken Cups there so you know if they can draw on a bit of that as well um, there'd be a huge Irish crowd there I guess as well to to uh, just to just to alleviate a little bit of the, the Welsh passion but um, I think they've got to draw on positive some positive experiences from at provincial level as well to to shut all the shut out all that outside stuff and and just get on with the job. So, I you know the, the one thing I'd say is it's it's um it's so far out from the World Cup that you know people go on about all oh, last competitive game before the World Cup, but I don't think it'll matter that much to be honest. Come Japan, um, and hopefully hopefully we get to play each other in the last four or the last two. That'll be the best thing. That'll be brilliant, wouldn't it? Well, uh, thanks for speaking to us, Michael. Um, enjoy your trip over to Cardiff on uh, on Friday and enjoy the game. And, Cheers, um, you too. Hopefully we'll be celebrating an Ireland or a Wales win and a Scotland win at Twickenham on Saturday. That would do us nicely. That would do Cheers. us nicely. Fair play to you. Thanks, Ben. Cheers. So, yeah, interesting stuff there uh, from Michael. Uh, Simon, before we spoke to Michael, um, you were saying about turnovers. Yes. Now, you look at the tournament's top turnovers, I think it's two players on five, that's Anton Dupont and Peter Armani on five. Mm. But a bloke who's starting this weekend, you wonder if he'd been fit at the start of the tournament, he'd probably have topped that count, and that's Ty Burton. Well, it's an interesting one. I mean, Scarlet's fans and Welsh rugby fans in general watched this young man um, when he came over. He came over, nobody really heard of him. He was with the Leinster Academy. Scarlet spotted something, gave him a chance, and it was an absolute revelation, you know. I've, you know, both Dell and I have watched a lot of rugby. I've never seen a second row as good over the ball in the jackal situation as this bloke. Because he's was he six foot six probably he's around but not six five maybe the way he times himself over the ball and gets in there and it just holds a perfect position sometimes as with all jacklers there may be an element where you know has he gone past the ball where is he supporting himself on is the elbows and hey, listen as everyone would say Martin Williams would say all of the great sevens over the years Richie McCaw you look at him. You do what you do, you can. You get away with it, you can. And the irony, of course, this bloke is is a, an outstanding second row in lots of the aspects of lock play, but is like an extra back row forward over the ball. He, he's tremendous. And then you add in Omani, who's made a career of it, absolute pain, nuisance over the ball. Rory Best, very good over the ball as well. You've got Sean O'Brien coming in, probably more of a carrier, but still, you know, very able over the over the contact area. And to me, that is just going to be an absolute crucial area because. If Ireland can slow Wales' ball down, and not only maybe you can slow it down, but get turnovers, then get on the front foot themselves, get CJ Stander running over the on, over the game line with two world-class halfbacks, nine and ten, in Murray and Sexton, then it does become a difficult afternoon. Mm. And I tell you what, where it becomes an even more difficult afternoon is if Wales don't improve their line-out, because it's been almost sort of buried as an issue. But um, for me... Um, I don't have the stats, but it's not functioned. Seventy-five percent. Yeah. And um, the second worst team is eighty-six percent. Was it a great irony? Is last year Wales had the best line-out in Test rugby? They were functioning about ninety-four percent, ninety-five percent success rate, and it just shows you sort of. Well, I think what that shows you, isn't it, that we haven't had that line-out platform, which means quite large stretches of games we've been on the back foot. 
which once again shows you how important our defence mm. has been. It's amazing. We're on the verge of a Grand Slam without really a functioning line-out. I mean, it's difficult because obviously you lost Corey Hill midway through the Championship and he's been the general the line-out caller. And now a big responsibility has gone into the shoulders of young Adam Beard as the line-out caller. Uh, it is difficult. If you look at it last week, you, know, so we, you can see we're perhaps struggling a little bit because I think we, we threw to George North at one point at the front of the line. Ironically, they scored a try from that, yeah. so perhaps we should look to go back to the old days of doing that. It is a struggle. And unfortunately, when, you, when you've got a struggling line-out, the last thing you want to do is to come up against one of the best snaffler in the air in the world rugby, which is Peter Romani. I mean, he's done it a numerous times. He'll pick his place to stand, often in the front of the line-out, and he's an intimidating... I can imagine he must be an intimidating bloke to try and throw past. So, hey, listen, the Bounds have been working on it hard because it's an area they think they would acknowledge needs improvement. I think when they've, when they've looked quite good is when they've gone to Tipperick. Sometimes the front, sometimes the tail. So maybe they look to do yeah. that a bit. But they've got to be thinking out of the box a little bit when it comes to the line-out this week. I think that's probably where we say that it's been a largely unsettled pack. That's probably now where it's going to help because, you know, normally line-out things can sort of be resolved in a week, sort of these little sort of little mistakes. So now that we've got a pack that's sort of played two, three games in a row, you'd, you'd like to think the errors should sort of cut down. Yeah, you, you, the thing is, you know, that if, it, if, it, if the errors aren't cut down and there is creaking, there's only one thing Mr Sexton's going to be doing, yeah. and he's going to be pinning that ball back to the Welsh 22 line to put pressure on defensive Welsh line-outs. Yeah. So he, it needs to start well to take that out of his mind, really. Absolutely. Oh, look, you go back, Ben, to the to the Ireland team and, and just, just looking at it now after it was named, and and, and you look at the, the component parts of it, and it's, it's everywhere they've got got experience they've got um, they've got proven they've got warriors all over their pack they've got game breakers in the back line um, they've got the half back control of, of, of you know a pairing like Murray and, and Sexton probably and, the best tight end in the world in, in Furlong in, in Furlong yeah. yeah I mean you just you just look at it and you think well where 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 where's the weakness and and that's that's my fear if, if they have a good day I think Wales are going to have to go some. I think really it's a really good point. But then if you look at the Championship as a whole, they haven't had many good days, have they? No, they were tactically no. outdone by England's um, ta- you know, kicking game yeah. in, in the first match and also by a very quick ball in hand try after two minutes. They really splattered against Italy in particular. Um, struggled a little bit in the first half against Scotland. Scotland played some great rugby. Yeah. And then against France last week, it's very hard to know what you say when you play France these days, isn't it? I mean, the, the stats, they sort of the territory, it's something like 90% at one point. France won movement into the opposition 22. So the, the way France are ending this championship, you don't know what to make of it. But we all know what Ireland can do. And it's, it's essentially much of this team is the Ireland team that went unbeaten, well, you know, an incredible record in, in 2018 when they did the Grand Slam, beat Australia, South Africa and uh, New Zealand in yeah. the space of 12 months, I think, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the parts are there. And we know when the Irish game functions well, they are probably the best team in the world at retaining possession around the, in the opposition 22 and just going through phase after phase until they score a try. Now, ironically, that's something where Wales have found themselves mm. able to do in exactly, this championship. Yeah. So what you've got potentially is two of the most efficient retention ball retaining teams in world rugby. And and maybe, maybe then if that's the case, it comes down to who's got the best defence. And what we've seen in this championship, there ain't many better defences than Wales. Uh, not in the world, I don't think, at the moment. So. No. Because, mm. you know, like, I don't think, I don't see how Ireland can do what they like to do which is play one off runners off nine and go through 40 phases against that Sean Edwards defence well I spoke to Tommy Bow this week uh, Great Ireland and Lions wing from Ulster and he outlined why he thought Ireland would win and he made the key point was that he picked out CJ Stander as an absolutely crucial man now Stander was injured fractured his cheekbone I think in the first game in remarkable recovery mm. came back last week starting and you could just see the, the impact he has not just in, in his own play but as a motivator he seemed to name check every single member of the Irish pack you know uh, during the scrums and he is a real totem for them if he can get them over the gain line and he's the kind of bloke who generally makes a yard two yards if you can get him over the gain line and they're moving forward with Murray and Sexton. He said that will be the way that Ireland will dictate and win the game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 
in the way that uh, Josh Navidi made it his life's mission to stand in the way of Billy Vunapolo every single time that uh, the, the Saracens number eight carried the ball in the England game, I would imagine he and Tipperick will have Stander lined up in their sights. Now, where will Stander go? Will he look to go um, around the fringes? Will he look to go more at 10? I think if they can negate Stander's ball carrying and Sean O'Brien's ball carrying... That's what I was going to say. If, if they focus too much on Stander, they've got the small, the small matter <laughs> of the tallow tank. Yeah. So, it, it, listen, it's a challenge. But if you're going to put any defensive unit in world rugby up to, to, to negate that Irish ball carrying... I would back the Welsh one at the minute. That's the thing, because in the first match, England sort of provided the perfect blueprint on how to defend against Ireland, which was, you know, blitz really heavily around the fringes and just cut off their sort of big ball carriers. But then Wales against England provided the counter blueprint of how to get by that, which is just pick and go even tighter around the fringes so they can't blitz. So there's a lot of sort of sort of war games before the game the, the encouraging the thing for me about that Ireland-England game when I look back to the start of the championship Ireland basically couldn't cope with the power of England no. it was coming it was Vuna, both Vunapolas I think played but both of them coming you had Courtney Law, you, had, you know wave after wave of carriers to, I mean you got Lagi there I'm not sure if he was playing that game but generally they, they were finding themselves back foot back foot back foot so I think Wales will take heart from that you know in the sense that you know Adam Jones, I spoke to him this week as well, and he, he was saying that Wales under Gatland, they've kind of gone back to type because they, they you know, they, they went through the period after the New Zealand tour. They talked a lot about playing a wider game. They're still looking to do that, scoring tries in the wide position. But what they've got now, they've got big men, and they, yeah. they are big men yeah. in this side. Moriarty's back, and he's, he's carried every single drop that Moriarty's taken it. And you watched last week when we were causing damage to Scotland, the lines that Hadley Parks were taking. You look at Hadley Parks, Jonathan Davis, George North, Josh Adams. These are big boys. It's going back to that period, and I think Gatlin always feels comfortable when he's got a power outlet. Yeah. To be fair, the thing that probably... I don't think it's got enough credit, because Wales's attack hasn't been sort of free-flowing or, or, or aesthetically pleasing. What it has been is clinical, efficiently clinical. Wales will, on average, get into the opposition 22 about five times in a game. Most times they come away with four scores. The Jonathan Davis try last you know, week was a, a case in point. What was it, 23 phases? 23 phases. And 34 that, the week before yeah. game for Corey Hill. Yeah. And if you think back, how many times have you sat in the press box home or away, watched Wales go through the phases and say, oh, they're going to they're gonna mess this up soon, yeah, they're yeah. going to mess this up soon. I remember feeling that during the 34 phases ahead of the Corey Hill try. I didn't feel it last week through the 23, because no. you know now, you, they've mm. given you the evidence that they can do it. Now, whether this is part of the way rugby is going now, where it is becoming hard for opposition teams, you know, to win turnovers, you can see. I think you can see it in the number of teams now that are trying to win the ball straight away with the rip in the mm, tackle. Mm. Because you know, certainly with certain referees, once you carry it in, any attempt to slow the ball down, you get you don't get long now, Daryl, with the ball at the no. defensive side, do you? So I think it maybe is becoming easier. But you have to say, whatever they've been doing in training, the ball is sticking, and uh, any side that retains the ball is hard to stop. Presentation as well is, is much better, I think, from Wales in, at the breakdown. Yeah. It's uh, which is allowing them to get quick, quicker ball. You know, so you know what we haven't talked about though, the weather forecast oh, and the roof, roof. and the roof. I, I, you know, Are you fed up of the I, roof? I, 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 I know it's raining. <laughs> is it? Is it? You know, I don't want to be a, 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 a stick in the mud. But mud. I, I would just like. A stick in the, the quagmire. I, I would just like to see, don't ask me why, the roof open. No, I can't agree. It's an entertainment business. Well, <laughs> it was open last time we beat them for the Grand Slam. Oh, five. Yeah, but it was a lovely day then. Yeah, well. It's pouring with rain, and it's a heavy, you know, gale force let's, wind. Let's see. I mean, <laughs> how many times will you? I, I tell you what, I'll, I'll open the curtains on Saturday morning, it'll be blue skies. More, per- Barry Bale, <laughs> more pertinently, more pertinently, we know that if Ireland wanted open, it's going to be open. If it is open and it's raining, who does that benefit? I, I don't think massively either. No, no, no. I don't think massively either. You know, they always say the weather's a good leveller. 
I mean, <laughs> we're, we're not. I don't think either of these teams are looking for a leveling factor, are they? I mean, it's. But if it's wet, would you change the number ten and put Mr. Bigger in? Um, well, I hinted. On <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's you know, a good tactical kicker himself. You know, he's shown enough the Cardiff Blues, but. I don't know. I, I worry a little bit, I must admit. I think if it became a real arm wrestle and a line-out drive game, I can see that might just suit that mm, a little bit more. Yeah, the, the old line-out drive, when you say it like that, especially with Wales. a few of those scored by Ireland against Wales over the year, Keith Wood and various Shane Byrne over the years. I mean, a few but, of them. Like, <laughs> let's, let's not be fair, though. Wales's line-out defence has actually not been too bad. But Adam Beard's been they, a big factor. The telescopic arms he's got. Hang on a minute. I was making me to stress that they haven't stolen a single line-out in the tournament, only team not to. But that's mainly because they're standing off and then Adam Beard's swimming through the moors. Well, he's doing the charterist job, isn't he? What amuses me a little bit is this picture that's being painted that if the roof is left open and it's raining, we're going to get... Sort of like you know p- pictures like the old Fran Cotton one in the Lions, you know. And, yeah, and, I mean, I mean, let's face it; it's not exactly the wit- it's not exactly the most exposed pitch in the world, is it? You know, and you know, I don't think it's going to be. You know, we're not talking like Her- Hereford uh, FA Cup Ronnie Radford pitch, you know, that type of thing. I, pre- I appreciate that reference. Yeah, there, I can't give the, the Bulls a name check. Um, so, uh, you know. I think we. My, my slight worry is that when it has rained in the championship so far, Wales haven't been at their best. No, I mean, they haven't really looked that much of, a, of a, an effective wet weather side. But then again, it rains in Wales, it rains in Ireland. They've played mm. in rain before, and if it's open, it's open. We just get on with it, don't we? Of course we do. Yeah, of course we do. Absolutely. Who's going to win? Who's going to win? We'll play the first half of the second half. Who's going to win, Dan? I just think Wales will find a way. Um, they 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 historically always delivered in games like this. Um, I I don't base that on too much logic, um, but I think that I think they'll find a way. I think they'll find a way in Wales by one, two, three points. I think the refereeing of Australian Angus Gardner is going to be absolutely pivotal in terms of how he referees the breakdown and prevents anyone coming in through the side gate and I also think the Welsh line-out is absolutely pivotal if Wales can negate the Jackals and win line-out ball Wales will win the game that's a fair point I suppose with the line-out the one thing is Wales do keep the ball on the park a lot so it hasn't been that much of an issue I think you know Ireland won't get many opportunities from that and Rory Best has a tendency to occasionally feel the pressure when it comes to line-out throwing. You know, it's going to be windy as well, though. Plus, plus, Wales have defended the line-out drive quite well. They, did, yeah. they defended it well against England. There was one pivotal one, wasn't there, oh. against Scotland, mm. where a beard got in. I think Wainwright late on in the game came in the drive. It was wonderfully defended. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it does help when you've got a bloke with, you know... Telescopic arms like that. Like Mr. Men kind of length arms. Uh, it does help... Uh, Hey, I think it, I just think it's fascinating, Mr. Tickle, to Mr. Tickle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and of course, we haven't even mentioned the home advantage. No. I mean, in fairness, you know, you know, I've been one of those who said in the past, you know, about all everyone getting up and down, having the beers, how focused are they? Are but you saw the last thirty minutes of that England game. What a Welsh crowd can do! The way they sang and cheered Wales home, and yeah. you know, actually did more than that they actually sort of elevated those players on the pitch and you can see it going through and they'll have a big part to play this weekend yeah, again you know, I, I've been told there were fans in there who, who, who were prepared to have just the four pints in the last half hour <laughs> instead of the usual five so yeah well then the other thing is the three last times Wales have played in Cardiff with a grand slam on the line 2005, 2008, 2012. As Dal said, they delivered once against right. Ireland, twice against France. Right. It shows that you know when they come here on a big day with a big thing on the prize. Yeah. Add in the 33 championship decider against England in Cardiff as well. We've under Gatland, they've got a great record at come the big championship games in Cardiff. Well, Joe Schmidt's never won a Six Nations match in Cardiff, but then he's never lost the last game of the championship either. True. You take whichever fact you want and you turn it whichever way yeah. you want. Eleven of those island team were the last players to have beaten Wales, but then four of them weren't. You know, you, you can switch either way. But yeah, either way, uh, 
You've done your, you did your homework. I know, I know the stats, you know, don't worry about that, but yeah. <laughs> End of an era for Warren Gatlin, won't it be? It'd be his, 50, it's his 50th and last Six Nations game in charge of Wales. Potentially an unprecedented third Grand Slam. No one's ever done it before, no coach has ever achieved it. And then you, you could also have Alan Wynne Jones getting his third Grand Slam. You know, I think he goes fifth on the all time list of most capped players. It, it's a landmark game in many ways, this. And I think the players will want to send Gatlin away from the Six Nations in style. Gatlin would love it himself, and he'd probably love it. More than any team in the world to do it against against Ireland. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's always been a bit of history there, hasn't well, there? Of course, uh, and of course, there's, <laughs> there's been talk of, uh, of of a statue for Mr. Gatlin. What have you outside? outside well, well, <laughs> to go to golf at your statue. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't he just love that? Um, no, uh, uh, you know there has been. There's been a petition, there hasn't has, there? Yeah. Uh, doing do the social media. Uh, not got round to it yet, <laughs> um, but. Um, you know, in all seriousness, why not? If he pulls off three Grand Slams and, and is the longest ever serving Welsh coach and gets us, you know, to if we thrash New Zealand in the final of the World Cup, then then yes. As Adam Jones said this week, and Adam, you know, as much as anyone has perhaps reason because of the way his Test career ended, not to lavish the praise yeah. on Gatland, but he did. And he said, not being too dramatic, but this bloke changed the face of world history. Yeah, you, can't, you can't knock it. You think how he took over? What Wales done. have been knocked out of the World Cup against Fiji in an embarrassment. Within six months, we win the Grand Slam, and this could be his third Grand Slam. You know, and he's taken Wales to a World Cup semi-final, aside from all the Lions' successes. You know, whatever you think, his record is pretty impressive, especially when it comes to the Six Nations. And winning Saturday would be the perfect way to round off his time in that tournament with Wales. It absolutely would. We got two predictions for a Wales win. Yeah, what's yours then? I'll make it three. Uh, good see, man. I see them doing it. Um, good man. Has anyone thought about the draw? <laughs> oh, oh, that's no good to us. I, I think, think John. I think John Dole has in some sort. No good to us. It's no uh, good to us because the English are lurking, waiting for any Welsh slip up. The thing is, how much currency would it, would a, a, a title win have if the side? the only undefeated side wasn't the champions so what you're saying is Wales could win four and draw and not win the title mm-hmm. yeah I, I, that that's would not yeah. that would not be satisfactory in my mind you should write a letter <laughs> <laughs> there we are and on that note that's uh, all for the Welsh Rugby Podcast this week but uh, there's plenty more rugby coming obviously this weekend with Wales versus Ireland Grand Slam Decider you can catch all the latest on that on Wales Online <laughs>